Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Sylvia Moss. This is Insight, coming to you from the Messix Performance Studios right here at iHeartMedia. You know, we're born, we live, and we die. You think that's That's all there is. Well, a lot of people out there say, no, it's not, including me. And what is life? That's the big question. What about why are we here and why are we supposed to be doing or what are we supposed to be doing while we're here? And how about when many of us seem to go through way more hardships than a lot of people, we say to other people on ourselves, what's that about? Is it fair? How come me? Why pick me? There's phrases like karma's going to get you and what goes around comes around. All these questions and yet there are probably only a couple hundred people who truly know the answers here on earth. And one of them, well, he might be with us today. John Ronaldo is from Lancaster. He's going to tell us his story and how all the heartache and desperation that he went through led him to a place of peace. And it's all because of something as simple as water. And he continues to do all of this because of the water. Well, maybe not because of the water, but that's a major part of it. John, it was so exciting talking to you. Actually, um, our buddy Holly Lobb told me about you and I. She said, I'm amazed. you got to get a hold of this guy. And I'm glad I did. I want to ask you, as you're you're uh, telling your story, first of all, you're not originally from Lancaster, no, right? No, I'm from Vancouver, Canada. Okay. give us Take us into how everything started with you. So I had a lot of circumstances that uh, happened in the beginning, well, since last year. And um, a lot of things changed in 2019. And I mean, dramatic changes. Um, and the changes resulted into financial uh, depletion, emotional depletion, I, um, you know, physically depletion. I mean, I was on a lot of... You're going through a lot of stuff. I was I going mean, through a lot of stuff. Yeah, your dad was having a hard stage, time. Yeah, well, stage four lung cancer. And, uh, and you know, he's surviving. He's actually beating it. He's doing very well. And uh, there was other things that was going on. Um, so as as it it was like a perfect storm coming into into play. Mm-hmm. And... And this one particular night, it happened where I I lost everything, and um, I don't want to go di- deep into the personal stuff, but I lost everything. I happened to be in a situation I didn't have a home anymore, and as a result of relationship issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. And despite whatever efforts were happening trying to make that work, it never it was not going to ever end well. So, um. I had in this time I had a concussion. I, I mean, like it was just. Like, oh my goodness! It was like one of those things that you just like I said. It was a it was a perfect storm. You had every reason to give up. I had every actually. I had thoughts of it. Mm. I really had thoughts of it, and I ended up on the streets of Lancaster, and uh, I was talking to a homeless person, and we were sitting there talking about. And he said, he said to me, "What's your story?" And I said, "Well, I just blah, you know." You left it ripped. I let it go. I let it ripped. And I told him everything and it was probably like a five minute conversation telling him everything to a stranger, you know? And, uh, he turned around to me. He goes, I could take care of that problem for you. I said, Oh yeah. Like how? 
like I was just joking and I was like, and um, because I was like, he has nothing to offer. And he's, yeah, we could do a math. Ooh. And I sat there and contemplated about it. I was like, boy, I, you know, I, and, and, and what people, when people don't realize is that when you look at someone who's homeless or someone who's an, ad, an addict, you can get out of this. Like they just have this opinion that you can, like, you just got to do one, two, three, and you're out. Well, when you're in that situation, which I was in, I know how a person can end up there pretty quick, pretty fast. Cause I was a couple steps away of making the wrong decision. Yeah. And I actually, I look at it this way as the devil was pulling me into it. And that was the devil talking to me. I'm not, I know most of you might not think that that sounds kind of crazy, but no, it's not. I don't think it is. In fact, and what really burns me up is people who have not experienced what you have gone through, who have been some of the fortunate ones, maybe the fortunate ones, they don't get it, but they can tell you snap out of it. Right. They snap out of it. Get out of it. You don't, you're, you're more than this. So at that time I felt a touch on my shoulder and someone said, no, I turned to the guy and said, you know, no, that's okay. And I quickly changed the conversation and wondering, because now I'm on the streets thinking where I'm going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And a friend was supposed to give me a call later that night and tell me where I will be sleeping. And I didn't, and at this time I didn't trust anybody because I didn't really know what was going on. The loved ones that I had were, were, uh, were shaming me, belittling me and kind of like putting me, in, putting me in a position of like, what the hell am I, what did I do wrong? Yeah. You know? And, uh, and didn't have a clear understanding of the whole situation. And I was kind of confused and, and just really depressed about the whole thing. And then um, the guy said, well, you know, told, told me it was basic needs. And I was thinking I'd be sleeping in my car basically that night. And at that time, he talked about water. And one of the sorts of things that has challenges because, you know, the streets do have water, fountains, things like that. But it's not always clean. It's not whatever. And so it immediately popped in my head and I said, I got $4 in my pocket. I'll go to the grocery store, get myself 24 case of water and I'll come back and just, I told him I'll be right back. I came back, started handing out water. Immediately I got some, uh, you know, a lot of thank yous, you know, Hey, thank you. What are you doing this for? Blah, blah, blah. And then I started doing that every day, sometimes twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And then throughout the process of doing this, I was kind of healing myself. I was kind of like throwing this healing process. And I met a few individuals and these individuals were like Sabrina was one that I've never seen ever again. I only saw her one time. Yeah. Tell us about her. Uh, so she was like, so I was handing out water to a bunch of uh, homeless in, in Ben park. And as I was coming back, I saw her sitting on the, on the, on the ledge of a, of the brick wall. And I said to her, I said, you want water? And she goes, uh, yeah, that'd be kind of you or something along that line. And I said, sure, here you go. And she goes, and then I, you know, I used the, what the guy said to me originally, he says, what's your story? So I told him, I asked her, what's her story? And I've always used that now when I meet a new person, I say, what's your story? And it's funny because my friends are now using that as, sorry, going on a tangent, but my friends are kind of using that to when they introduce, yeah, talk to a stranger. Like as John says, what's your story, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to see that actually moving on in that way. And so as I was talking to her, she's telling me, oh, I've been in and out of rehab. Uh, I lost my family. I lost my kids. You know, I'm in and out on the streets, not doing well. And she said, you know, do you, what's wrong with me? She said, and I'm like, whoa, that's a loaded question. Cause what's wrong with me too? Like, how can I answer to something that, that I'm felt wrong too, felt guilt and all mm-hmm. that. Cause I was in that stage. And I said, um, there's nothing wrong with you. God's with you. God loves you. God's beside you. 
Did you always have this insight about God and about no, Muslim? not no. I've always had faith, but I'm not in that depth. You know what I mean? Okay, so something came across you, and you said that you had a what? You had a concussion. I had a concussion, and I was starting to get out of it. And uh, the doctors actually were really concerned about me um, due to the emotional situation I was in, and this concussion. I was in the emergency room doing all that kind of stuff. I was just like there. Huge care, and um, you know, obviously, I got better as the week progressed. But I needed a rest was the most important part. With somebody like, and I actually ended up in an R and B, and actually, my friend actually helped me that night. So overall, I had people around me to make sure I was okay. Mm-hmm. So it was good. Um, but as I was talking to her, she was asking for affirmations, and and then she asked for a prayer, and I gave her a prayer, and I, I all I said, you know. God, give her, give her faith and strength, courage, have her to believe herself, uh, overcome these challenges that she faces each day. Give her the courage to be better of herself, you know, make her better for the future. Mm-hmm. It's very basic. She comes up and gives me a hug. And let me tell you, that was the most love that I've ever felt in a long time. It was heartfelt. It was... Um, <clears throat> It was uh, almost. She, she transferred something pretty special yeah. to you, huh? Yeah, I still choke about it. Yeah, I can tell. <clears throat> and so we're sitting there talking, and she's like, "Thank you, kind sir. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you for the prayer." I said, "You know," and she goes, "I love you." And I thought, when I reflect back, I don't think she loved me in that way. She just loved me. I thought God was talking to me. He probably was, huh? <clears throat> through him, through her. And as I was going through all this process, we're going through that conversation. She's like, you know, and we talked a little more and I said, you know, can you make her, can you promise me something? That's all I asked her. I said, I don't ask a lot of promises from people, but can you be a success story? And she said, I will. And then she came up and gave me another huge hug and kissed me on the cheek and says, I love you again. And I said, I love you and God loves you too. And it was a very emotional part because I was like, like I said, I was wounded. I was in this position that I didn't feel well about myself. I was in this really tough spot and she sat there and and she did this. And I was so, I was overcome. And I realized one thing out of this whole mess was unconditional love. It wasn't about. What I can do for you or you can do for me. Yeah. And. I felt more loved on the streets than I did at home. I felt that I was worthy and valued and appreciated. Brand new thing, huh? Oh, it was like, it was like a, like I was reborn in a lot of ways. And, um, and I think something you had mentioned me earlier was that, uh, your conversation when she said something, it was reflecting you all the time. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah, it was like every time I said to her, she, she gave a positive response to it. And it was always in that, in that manner. And then she always asked, and then I gave. And then asked and gave. It was like that give and take. And you were getting your own answers. I was getting my it? own answers. And at that time, I was still fogged, and I was still in this guilt. But, and, and, but today, it becomes more and more of a reality because I never saw her again. Till this day. I mean, that's been months. Um, never saw her again. She had the little flower. Apparently, she was going to her mom's house and do something. And... It was very innocent and very tranquil and very calming and very peaceful. And, you know, when we talk about when we in Christmas, we talk about joy, peace 
and love. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop during Christmas. It's every day. And every day you have to find those three things. And I believe that. And the other thing I, when I, throughout this journey I've learned is that, um, um, you know, giving, it's not just giving. You give to people who you know that they'll be appreciative. How do you know that, John? Well, because sometimes people just, they receive it and it's kind of like, yeah, thank whatever, you. Thanks yeah, like, whatever, thanks a lot. Or there is not a heartfelt thank you. And some people take it as a materialistic thing. Some people take it as just for granted. And when I was giving to the, when I give to the homeless, the one thing I learned from them is that they actually, when you give something to them, you can actually feel it. Like you can feel their thank you, their appreciation, their, their warmth, their, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's tons of issues with the homeless on their own. Like each in person has their own issues, mm-hmm. mental illness, drug drug and alcohol issues. Sometimes they're just nonconformist and they just want to live in the streets. That's the way you want to live. But when they say thank you, you know you felt it. You can feel it. And today that actually bothers when someone says that when they say thank you, they just kind of like brush it off. It bothers me because I'm like, that's not, I'm not feeling it. I'm sorry. Um, and maybe that's just me being a lot more sensitive than normal. Uh, but I know when I gave in the past, I was giving to people to the wrong people. I was giving my time to people, the wrong people, like people that didn't value me or they didn't have enough value in my, and to offer me. Well, you know what you and I had talked about um, the way you're raised. And, and like I said to you too, we're not here to blame anybody's parents, no. but typically we re- our parents repeat what they learned. And there's been over the last 50 years, there's been a lot of, codependency mm. that's been transferred to a new generation and I think if you'll allow me um, people you hear that word codependent all the time but pretty much what it is is that you rely on other people to meet all your needs and it can come in so many ways like if your parents didn't show you affection or uh, you become a caretaker right. or people didn't appreciate you or you know pushed you under you stopped providing your opinion I mean you you become a people pleaser right I mean, there's so many things that result from this. And then you pick partners that feed into that, too. And that's we got to stop and figure that one out because it's basic. But you tell people that, say, nah, I didn't do that. Yes, you did. Yeah. So there's there's so many different ways of codependency. And one of the things I've learned handing the water was I created boundaries because I know when people please her. I know that I that I'm a little bit of rescuer. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, uh, And I know that. When I'm in that situation, I put myself out. I put my my heart on my sleeve. I kind of put myself all out there. So I made a rule to myself was that the water I have is all I have. The limit of water I have is all I have. I can give you my ear. I'll listen to your story. And that's all I have. Well, tell me about this. Mm-hmm. When we think of people who are homeless, you'd be surprised who they are. You were telling me about a gentleman who... Um, dresses nicely, goes to the library oh, every yeah. day, and yet he has no place to go at night. No, yeah. He's a, so this gentleman is a, he's a very interesting guy. Like he, he's a very high intellectual individual. I have major conversations with him, like just life, just general. And, and um, he's just a nonconformist. And, and reality is he's not a drug addict and he's not an alcoholic. He's a nonconformist. I put him in that category that he does not conform to society's rules because 
as you, as I was mentioned earlier, my life earlier, when you're in that situation, you're being beaten down and then you get in the adult world and all of a sudden you still get the reflection of what your childhood was. Yeah. Exactly. And you continue to go through that. And, and then people wonder why people are so sensitive. Well, because people have been through a lot. Everybody has a story mm-hmm. one way or another. And this guy has a story and it has to revolve around women and a, a, a woman that dismissed him and, and disrespectful. And then work was even worse. I mean, he was having the perfect storm, but he didn't end up where most of them will end up is in driving alcohol. He just chose to say, you know what? I'm done with society rules. The rules in society really suck. And I'm going to live my life the way I want. And that's free. I got my free air. I got my free bench. I got my free park. I don't, I got free food. I really don't need anybody to help me out. Other than a few, like he's got a few quality friends in his life. And that's the other important thing. It's the quality people you have around you. And it's not the, it's not the quantity. It's the quality people around you. A big difference. So mm-hmm. this guy has, this guy has a couple of good people around him, which washes his clothes, makes sure he's taken care of. Um, but for the most part, he has figured out how to wash himself during the day how to get clean clothes, where to get food, where to socialize, how to get educated. I mean, he's, he's done it on a homeless level. Where to sleep, how to sleep, how to deal with winter. I mean, it's just, and he just has a backpack and that's all he has. No kidding. What about, were there women there? There's women there, yeah. And most of them are kind of like battered uh, through abuse or just feel like they've been, um, same thing. I mean, I, I, think, I don't think the demographics change on how they've been treated overall. I think they are who they are, um, and they just become they just become dependent on. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That co- the cohabitant That's what they're life. used to. Yeah. 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 And so they're like, they're, they're kind of codependents on each other. And uh, I think at the end of the day, when they're, when you look at it, is it's not a... Um, yeah, and I, one of the things I see is that the the authorities try to rule them or police them or govern them, and that's not really the the right place. They don't understand. We're not taught to understand. Well, they they come in it as an authoritarian point of view because they got the laws, they got all that, they got mm-hmm. they got the politicians, the higher sure. ups that just want to deal with this. How to get rid of this? How, we're going to police them. We're going to punish them some more. Now, don't get me wrong. There is criminal activities that go on at that level. Mm-hmm. That has to be dealt with, but is it because of of their behavior or their circumstances or their you know quality of, you know quality of life or whatever you call it that's resulting in these criminal activities, or is it because they just are criminals to begin with and then that's all they are? So when you have that vicious cycle, all they're doing is punishing those individuals. They go panhandle, they get arrested for panhandling, they um, get thrown in the jail, yeah, they yeah. pay out whatever they got in their pocket. And then they go back on the streets and what they have to do, because they got more fines to pay. Yeah. So they got panhandled because they don't want to be on a warrant. Because if you get warrant, then you're like, you're always being searched. And there's a lot of them have warrants on the arrest. And it's just, it's just a vicious cycle. So, I mean, when I look at the problem, you can't solve it, but how can we come up and make a better, how can we be a, like, I look at it this way. There's homeless throughout every single country. 
in this world, especially the United States. We donate so much foreign aid to a tons, tons of countries. I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars. Thank you for saying that. I that's turning me up for a long, long time. So we're sitting here with our own cities now. Lancaster and, and Harrisburg are not big, huge cities. We're probably what two hundred thousand population, two hundred thousand population, if that. Mm-hmm. If we can't take care of the homeless at that micro at that micro level, how can we take homeless in New York or Los Angeles? Exactly. We can't. I agree. So how can we become the staple, or how can we become the pilot, or how can we become something different? And I'm not talking about. Let's go there and give them homes because that's not what they want. Mm-hmm. And and they want. What you tell me? What? Well, you've been around a lot. What do they want? They want at least peace. They want at least to have peace where they can live, but live in a way that they want to live. And if you think about it, that's what that's what our founding offers gave us. Yeah, right? you yeah. live how you want to live. You know, live your prosperous life the way you mm-hmm. want to live. And so, how do we do that? Now, I don't have a solution for that. I don't know the solution to that. But if we're talking about it, it may come up. But we got to really talk to them. They're the ones that are driving the force. Because if you, if you force upon them, because when I'm talking about the populations, they're different populations. The population we're talking about is probably the 20% that are severe. Mm-hmm. The 80% have found a way to get into the system, like mission systems. or, or sure. those, And that's great. Those systems work well for them because they have rules, regulations. They kind of go, now, some fall out because they've broke the rule and they're back on the streets. I'm talking about the ones that are on the streets that gone through that and didn't work out for them, or they decided to stay in the streets because they know that's better for them. So how do we help those individuals that we consider our society's nuisance because they're an eyesore or they're, they're alcoholics or whatever the case may be? How can we talk to them in a way that, that helps them become better, a better condition one way or another? And I don't know how, I don't know, but one of the things I'm looking at is uh, so I've created a paint. I've started painting out of this whole. <laughs> out of this Somebody whole else came along and led you into that. Yeah, so I yep, got into there that. There you go. Someone got to that, and I was very grateful for it. And a, a few people, I, I want to thank them. Um, I'm very grateful they came to my life because I got to start painting, and out of this painting, uh, an art gallery is actually looking at it to exhibit them, so we can do awareness and That's sell them wonderful. and all that. And I've never painted before, and and. This is my first time. Painting. See, isn't this, this is really, really <laughs> strange. You've never painted before. You gained all this insight. You're impacting these people. It's that, if that's not divinely inspired, oh. I mean, come on. And, and then I'm, so I'm thinking about how, and I'm from a marketing sales background. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, how can I raise money just to do the basic thing, water and a protein bar? That's why, like. Four bucks. To, no, not four, even. Is it? No. Well, it's, case of water is like twenty four. Okay. Like four, twenty four is four dollars. Like, and you, I'm just thinking. I was thinking maybe we get some volunteers that go out and maybe once a day or twice a day just do an assessment and make sure they're okay and and. Do, and you do that anyway. You I do you're, that. You're, you're there a couple times a day, yes. every single day, right? Well. <laughs> pretty much anyway. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, you know, life has taken me some different sure. directions as well. But I try to go out there as much as I can. And when I go out there, they all know me as Waterman. Uh, it's funny, <laughs> Aquaman. Aquaman. And so, but it, and and I should let you know. After I asked them about their stories, this is kind of cool. After a few months later, some of them came up to me and says, "Well, now what's your story?" 
it was the reverse rule. And I, I never, I never divulged. I never gave them. They just said, what's your story? They just thought you were a nice guy who were helping them out. Yeah. So what'd they say when they heard your story? They said, holy man. <laughs> yeah. They said, really, that's what happened. And I said, yeah, that's what happened. And I said, but you know, everything's good. Everything happens for a reason. And do you believe that, John? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of led in this direction and it keeps pulling me in this direction for some, for, for whatever odd reason. And I'll tell you this, you said something that, you know, um, I was, I had my birthday a couple of days ago and, um, it was, um, one of my best birthdays. That's okay. Yeah. This so. is an emotional story. I mean, it's, it's, it's emotional, but yet it's, it's reaffirming. It's exciting because it's proof I mean, people out there say they believe, but a lot of people, unless you give them something to look at, they don't believe. But right. that's what faith is, not right. seeing and, and holding on to something like that. But Yeah, so I was at my birthday, and uh, we happened to go to this place, and um, immediately I was, I was greeted with a bunch of friends that I've met through this journey and other friends in my life. And, um, I was immediately, you know, happy birthday. It was like, it was a huge celebration. I just felt so grateful. And the person next to me, she said, you know, you know, I was, I was in tears. And, um, she said, you don't realize the impact it had on all these people. I said, no. That wasn't your intent. No. Actually, my intent was to heal like but, but you didn't know that when you first started on this journey <clears throat> no. that this was all about that no and you healed didn't you yeah oh yeah and i propelled and i got into other things and you know i started to i started to realize that i ha i have more to offer than i have every day you know one of the things that i've learned in this process you know cut out tv I don't watch TV. I read more books. Listen to radio, don't you? I listen to radio. Yes, I do. Just checking. <laughs> no, I listen to the radio, and um, and I learned that some like people in your life have to have value, and that's come from an independence point of view. So if you're end if you're independent, and you can stand on your two feet, and you have value, you have purpose, you have intention, you have. The, the drive to improve yourself every single day, make yourself better, not just because you, you need to, because you want to. In relationships, we end up, and why codependency happens because we need the other person for one a financial reason or emotional yeah, reason, I or mean, whatever the case may be. Yes, it becomes, and that becomes a codependency. Same mm -hmm. thing with people on the street. They, they're codependent on alcohol or drugs or other people because they feel that's the only thing they have. And you're not saying... Like no man is an island. You're not saying no. that that uh, you're, we're pretty much we're here to give, not to get. Right. right. So it, that's a very important, <clears throat> a very important point. You know, so you can have a bunch of people in your life, a lot of associates. You can have all that. You can have that quantity. Mm -hmm. But really, your so circle of influence should always raise you. And lift you. I'm glad you said that. Because when I, you know, one of the things I learned was you could be this, you could be this one person and God said, here's the finish line. And you run to that finish line and you cross that line by yourself. 
you turn around and no one's there, mm-hmm. what actually have you done? Yeah, exactly. Nothing. When you look at Jesus, Jesus talks about, he doesn't go chase after politicians and the, and the he, he ended up on the streets talking to the, the poor, the mentally held, you know, all the ones who are battered and confused. And all. Yeah. And he lifts them up. And that's what we should be doing, not, he, not anything he, else. He lifted you up. Yes, he did. So, through Sabrina, I think. Yeah. So your journey, I'm sure, isn't over. You got a lot of work oh, to do, don't you, John? Yeah. What do you, well, this show airs on eight radio stations, so you got a lot of people. Mm. What do you need from these people? Well, I, um, I need, I need an organization because <laughs> I think this could be, this could be very impactful. It can help out. Like, uh, my friend and I, uh, he does similar at, in California, picked it up. He hands out a bottle of water. Uh, and we're trying to go coast to coast and do a Facebook challenge, say make a difference and hand a bottle of water to a homeless person and post it and put it on your Facebook uh, page. So we're trying to get that going. But what I'm looking at is, you know, don't I want to make this where we can get all the all the organizations throughout the country and find a way to to create some mini teams that can go out in the streets and help to help them by just doing a basic Water, food, and... I'll give you some of my time. Thank you. No, I'm not saying I'll give you. I'm just saying that's what you're saying to people. You need somebody who's willing to... uh, I think probably the best thing I could do is is say that there's this this, uh, cool quote that I heard. It says, never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. And I think that um, a lot of people do look down on the homeless they have no clue how quickly they can become how many people out there are less than a paycheck away from being oh, in big trouble. Oh. And uh, what do they say? Don't be pointing the finger because you got four pointing back at you. We, we, we have all these sayings, but unless it hits us, we don't get it. No. And I think your story of what you went through. I mean, um, you were down, really down. You ready to give up. You were all your life. You were faced with people putting you down and giving unconditional love and expecting some love and not getting anywhere close to that. And there's a lot of people out there. I hope though some of those people are listening because my gosh, how your life is changing. Oh yeah. And so in the beginning of the year, it was very challenging. And then by the, by when all the circumstance with less than a month or so, things have changed dramatically and it's gone into a, an area that I never expected by the beginning of the year. I didn't know my journey will, will start with this. Um, and I'm so grateful for every single blessings and every day I look up and I say, thank you for saving me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of, and I've said this often to people that know me is it's like, we've gone through so so much. We continue to go through so many issues in this country. We've put up heroes who we thought were heroes like uh, on, on pedestals and they're all falling. Yes. And God's saying, Hey, yo, I'm the one, you know, and it's real simple. You don't have to go out and save the world. You no. can't save everybody. No. But when it's brought to you as it was to you, I would, I'd be willing to bet that you look forward to this. This fills you up too. And oh, you don't, didn't even expect it to. No. I mean, I look forward. I call my neighbors. Mm-hmm. I, I call all the homeless people, my neighbors, because they're our neighbors. They, sure. they live in our community. So they're our neighbors. So I look forward to visiting them. And sometimes I get, I, sometimes I don't see them because I know they've been thrown in jail. 
Yeah. And they're going through some But stuff. see, that's part of their journey that's too, isn't journey. it? And you know, one of the things they say to me, they, they get a little mad at each other. They have their spouts with, with each other. <laughs> Here comes and John, the negotiator. And I'm like sitting there going, but you chose this. Yeah. He goes, I know I chose this as one guy. He says, I know I chose this. And I said, well, then there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And yeah. that's where codependency, you break that mold. Yeah, right? but you, for you to have that light your whole life, and then all of a sudden, bingo, you realize that, hey, that's a sickness. I got to stop yeah. this. Yeah. Boy, does somebody give you a gift because there's loads and loads of people out there who are living this every day and have no idea where it came from, why they're suffering. Well, you spend you spend maybe seven years with somebody all of a sudden or 10 years or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden the need goes away and all of a sudden you're sat there going, what, what? Did I do? what happened? What ha-? like I gave, I gave and I gave and I gave not just financially, emotionally and all that. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the person moves on. And you're wondering, and it happens to everybody who is in that situation. Because you thought you were doing the right thing. Because I was raised, I was raised, you don't give up on your relationships. You don't give up on people. You don't give up on other things going on. You always stick it out despite, like, I look at it this way. I was in the valley. I was in the valley and I was suffering in, in many cases. I was, there's so many things I was going on. But I never quit. And I don't quit on people. And I don't quit on myself. I know if I'm in a funk, I'll get out of it and I will work myself through it. Just like today, I got out of a big thing and I moved on to better things. And by this time, I hope by next year, I'm even better and bigger than I am today. And I'm helping more. Well, I think a lot of it too with the people on the streets. I mean, um, you've helped in that way too, but it's also your responsibility because this is your gift to let people know. Maybe you should be a counselor. I don't know. But, you know, um, that's another story. Yeah. But I'm sure glad that uh, Holly told me about you. We've gotten to meet. I got to know you. It reaffirms my belief there's something going on out there that we we have no, um, no clue about. But, but I guess the bottom line is to listen. To listen. To listen. And give without, without any expectations. Exactly. Give. Because you want to give, give to those who deserve it, not to those who need it. There's a big difference. Give and then also learn how to love properly and say thank you properly. Because once you start doing all those basic little things, your life will change. I, I'm telling you, it will change forever. I'm going to go out thank people out there. Out yeah. in the studio now. <laughs> and, and the basic thing to do is just, if you really want to help, grab a bottle of water or put a case of water in your car. And you see a homeless person or someone who needs a thirst of whatever it is, head on a bottle of water and say, here you go. And then your life, you'll change one act of small little kindness can change that person. Oh, I've heard that so many times and you're, you're proof. You're amazing. Yeah. Uh, my guest again has been John Ronaldo from Lancaster. How does somebody get a hold of it? They want to help you out with your, with your journey, your mission. Uh, I don't have a kind. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. I've said this many times uh, before you can contact me through any of the iHeart stations. My email address is Sylvia M-A-U-S, Sylvia Moss at iHeartMedia.com. And I'll be real happy to pass any information anywhere once one wants to get a hold of me to John. I'm so glad you came in. Uh, thank you very much. I oh, appreciate this. Oh, no problem. I, I truly enjoyed it. And my neighbors appreciate it too. Uh, okay. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. How's that? Uh, thank you. <laughs> From the Messick's Performance Studios at iHeartMedia, I'm Sylvia Moss, and this has been Insight. See you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.